Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Vulture and welcome back to the Talking Blarney podcast, where we wade through the Blarney to tell you about the real Ireland. My name is Stuart McNamara, and I'm here with my Dublin correspondent, Rob Cross. Hi, everyone. How are you? So we're just going to get this out of the way now. Uh, the audio quality might not be as good for my side as I'm recording on my phone. Um, I have to go to Dublin in a kind of very last minute this week obviously we're still in lockdown here in Ireland it can only be essential travel I had to essentially travel up here for work and it was a bit because it was so last minute we I, I wasn't able to bring my full mic set up with me which would have been terribly difficult so we're we're, do, we're doing the best we can to meet our recording schedule yeah look I mean we're doing what we can here uh, especially in Ireland at the minute we have a Fairly wet and wild weather, Rob, wouldn't you say? Quite, quite great. It, it, it's, it is sunny up here now. There are blue skies in Dublin. I, I'm uh, not too far from the Phoenix Park where the president lives. I, I'll be going up there to uh, try and see him walk the dogs later, Sue. Uh, our president has a new dog, uh, we understand, whose name I is a obscure Irish word, which I'm not going to recall off the top of my head, but he has a new dog. Uh, Mishnach. Mishnak, that's right. And uh, he's a Burmese uh, dog, isn't it? Sir? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a big dog anyway. He's a, he's a small man, so it's quite quite a pairing. <laughs> so yeah, but it's very windy, about four, four degrees Celsius up here. Um, we, we, there was sleet and snow, uh, stormy weather the last couple of oh, days. Oh yeah, we're getting hailstone like bullets. It was all, you should see like the pictures of uh, Dame Street in Dublin on, on Thursday morning before I came up. It's, uh, it was almost like there was a layer of snow on the ground. It was just a mixture of like uh, hailstones and sleet. And it looked almost like a winter wonderland. It, it didn't last very long, but there you go. Yeah, I mean, it's a funny thing. And I was thinking about it the other day. I was chatting to someone and it's like, this just seems to be, you know, the future of weather in Ireland. You know, when we were kids, I don't remember. And partly that could be because we were kids, but <laughs> having like this this early spring kind of stormy weather is kind of a newer occurrence. Maybe back when we were in college, it kind of really started getting bad. Yeah, it was probably the, yeah, where there's the big storm and they had to lock us in the college building. And, uh, you know, they were worried the crane was going to fall down and uh, go through the roof and kill us all. So yeah, that was, that was a fun day. Yeah. It just seems like a, a bit of climate change in action that we've actually been able to see over our lifetime, which is a bit worrying. Yeah. Well, you know, some people say it's not true, Sue. So, I mean, you know, they know what they're talking about apparently yeah, well it's cold rob it can't be global warming it's just like global warming it's freezing out checkmate scientists <laughs> yeah you you're, you're part of big yeah. you're part of big cube or big iceberg non-melting yeah <laughs> <laughs> right so we'll jump right into uniquely irish which is going to be very important uh for the coming week we're going to talk about the saint patrick's day parade which has a long and storied history. One of the most important things to you about Paddy's Day is having a drink. And I know you've had your drink already, but I'm having mine now. The White uh, the white Hag Brewery, once again, we go to with the mint, mint chocolate chip milk stout. Now, I've been sipping this a little bit here. First thing I'll say, it's not green like the last one was. It, it's kind of a dark... Thank God. 
I'd say kind of a coffee color, maybe slightly darker than Guinness. Um, the smell is, is slightly minty, but definitely more of the chocolate in there as well. Um, it's a milk stout as well, which is a bit, it's becoming kind of a more modern thing. And yeah, it's definitely a bit different from what we're used to. Yeah, it's I mean, you know, you, you do get, once again, a strong minty flavor to it, like the last one. It's not but, as strong. Uh, I suppose richer. It's not as strong a mint taste. Like, you, as soon as I cracked open the Shamrock Shake one, the can, it, you just got this waft of, of mint. And um, this, I, re- I had to put my nose up to the can to kind of get the smell of it. It's, it's a lot more understated. This is really has much more of a chocolatey taste to it as well. It's much more noticeable. You're kind of getting, I'd say, a milk that has a slightly different taste to Guinness. It's a little more kind of, I'd say, I wouldn't say entirely sweet. It's not, you know, the chocolate's giving it some sweetness as is the mint, but it's definitely kind of more of a texture taste to it. You're definitely kind of getting a dark chocolatey taste first, then the mint kind of comes afterwards. So it's it's not as overpowering. It's actually, I'd actually say I like this. It's actually quite nice. <laughs> Well, Rob, you can just hope that once the pubs are back open, they'll have it on tap for you. I don't know if I drink a full pint of this. It is it is quite sweet. It's um... <laughs> Right. So Rob and I will continue to sip away at that. And we might give a, a rating at the end of the show. But back to the St. Patrick's Day Parade, which, you know, surprisingly, another thing similar to St. Patrick himself. Not Irish. Isn't Irish. It was made, I think it was like 1762 in America, I, yeah, I always was, was when it told started. New York was the first place they did it. Now it's worth saying that it was certainly Irish people there that came up with the idea, but it, it wasn't itself in yeah. Ireland. Yeah, wasn't it just a a couple of like Irish lads with the shamrock on, and they they like basically marched from one part of the city to another, and that kind of kicked it off. And now there's like fucking two hundred thousand people in the parade in new york city every year it's the biggest one and it, it, it's um I, I suppose gets a lot of attention it's of course it's not a national holiday over in america like we get the day off work in school uh and we basically go go see the parade or march in the parade and um in new york it's it's definitely big i mean chicago as well as another famous one where they they actually dye the river they're green um yeah which, I've seen that. Causes, which causes issues when the water gets down river it's like these tiny small towns and suddenly everything is just green so i mean i don't know how environmentally sound that is too but sure look well i don't think it's meant to be really but you know it's a huge thing and you know obviously we uh we re-imported it back into ireland and so we we do it big enough here you know we have the the huge parade in dublin i think uh, one of the big things that we have to talk about from our own memories is that i'm sure both of us have actually been in the the limerick city parade in our lifetimes i've never marched it actually oh you've not oh because I, i've never marched it. that's a that's surprising no i remember myself now i think it must have been maybe the year 2000 or around that yeah uh our school was asked to be involved and we had this big float i think it was meant to be based on nowhere or something so there was a large like boat yep. on top of a car and you know we all walked around i mean it's good crack on either side and uh, yeah. then later on, I think it was in secondary school, I did it for the Scouts, which was interesting. Got to wear yeah, a kilt, scouts, was uh, which isn't fun in the middle of March. I can tell you that Speak much. For yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of a kilt. Oh, no, I'm not saying that the, the kilt Scot- was wrong. Scottish heritage. The, the, no, the, <laughs> wearing a kilt is, is lovely. It's nice and freeing. But at the same time, when you're wearing a kilt in March for quite some time, it gets a little cold. You start to realize and appreciate why they roll their socks so high up to the knees. Yeah, exactly. No, I never marked myself. My brother and sister were in the, the scouts and girl guides, respectively, so they did. And um, no, I, I didn't do scouts, really. And uh, I, I think we did. 
my school didn't really do it, I suppose, because I, some people were from out in Clare, like some of the kind of like Limerick City was the big kind of parade in our area. So like the other kind of towns would have smaller parades and things like that. Um, but no, I, I just never really did. I think it was college I was offered to do it as part of the students' union. But I was just like I, at that point in my life, I was like, no, I'd just rather go to the pub and drink. Uh, you know, it, at that point in life, it was too late. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it's a good day out, I suppose, for everyone. You know, I have many fond memories of it. And, you know, we normally go into the pub afterwards. But, oh, I want a Fincher's Orange or Sidona. Yeah. A, a mineral, as we would say, if yeah. a fizzy drink or a soda pop or whatever you call it in your part of the world. Um, I suppose just to, to maybe we'll briefly talk about the structure of the parade. Now, I suppose we're kind of talking more about an Irish sense. And in particular in Limerick, we actually have two parades, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. But I, I suppose it starts off with, in Ireland anyway, I think in most of the American ones I've seen, Stu, there's kind of a grand marshal. Yeah. Someone that like leads the parade. It's generally like a celebrity, someone has done something significant or is like a local person. Um, in Limerick, it's generally always been rugby players uh, or hur- hurlers. We had a Mr. A Mr. World at one point, I think, who <laughs> was from Limerick. Um, your man, Kamal, I think. And yeah, so it's, I mean, that's kind of it. They generally have... Um, uh, like an, a, a generally it's an open top kind of sports car they'll be there with the mayor wearing his, his ceremonial chain waving and they, they lead the parade then there's generally i think they're usually followed by a band of some kind and then like you'll have all the floats and the the people marching after them yeah um no it's been a while since i've actually seen a parade in person we're normally drinking in a pub watching rugby or, or something but uh, yeah, that's what they have, like, you know, some of the like the Red Cross and that go through. They did. Yeah. So you generally have like, um, like, there's so be a civil defense, which is uh, kind of a volunteer organization. They have like ambulances and stuff that help during flooding and things like that. Uh, the Order of Malta as well, the Red Cross, they'd all like be out there with their ambulances and they'd have some people marching. Um, you know, they, which are going to the girl guides, the scouts, they'd all march as well, some kind of local groups. Uh, Limerick as well, we actually included a lot of other communities um, in there. There, there. I remember they, there's a sizable little Filipino community in Limerick and they'd always have their own little thing where they were kind of um, kind of showing an aspect of Filipino culture and an aspect of Irish culture and how they'd like integrate it. it was, oh, I always really liked their, their floats because they, the, they were always the most colourful too. Oh yeah, I mean like they, they do try very hard to kind of integrate um, a lot of people into the, into the parade, especially, you know, the, the smaller communities that mightn't otherwise, well, you mightn't otherwise know that we're even in the city, get a chance to yeah, come yeah. out and show that they're here and their pride in them in their little communities. So it, it's a it's a lovely day for things like that as well. It is. It's wonderful. And, um, you know, yourself, it, it, it's just uh, nice things like that. And of course, then like the, the local corporation, the county council workers, my grandfather would be there like in a bin truck normally driving up the street because, you know, it's it's you got to honor your, your workers. They'll be cleaning up afterwards. Um, you know, maybe get, you, you might get a few soldiers if there's a, a base nearby or, or sailors if, if there's a, a port. Um, yeah, well, I, I do remember it starts in the uh, in the barracks in the city, and then it, in Limerick, it, it tends, Starsfield barracks. Yeah, it tends to head from there, then down the main street to um, to King John's Castle. So it's a, a nice stretch That's of a walk, it, yeah. especially depending on the weather. If it's yeah. A poor day for it. It generally takes place in like the main street in a town or city in Ireland, which is in a lot of places that is O'Connell, O'Connell Street after Daniel O'Connell. It is in Dublin and Limerick anyway. I think it's, it's Patrick Street in Cork, I think. 
stand to be corrected on that. I well, they have to be different, don't they? Simon Corks yeah, so it, it, it's that kind of thing. And uh, you know, I mean, towns as well, but it's always good. If you're very lucky, you might get a, a fly past uh, by the Air Corps. Uh, certainly in, in the past, too, we had uh, Willie O'Dea, who was a, a local Limerick politician, very very known for his distinctive moustache, yeah. it has to be said. He, he's very much, uh, he's very well known in Limerick. He was Minister for Defence for a good few years and Let's just say he, he liked to look after Limerick quite well. So it was almost like, you know, you, you know, you see those like North Korean military parades. It was kind of like that in Limerick those days, too, because you'd basically have a ship, a naval ship would just turn up. There'd be, all of them would be marching. There'd be like about 20 soldiers, like, you know, 20 brigades of soldiers marching. You'd have, uh, you know, tanks and jeeps and APCs come up the street. You'd have, I remember one year it was like we had four fly pass by all of the, we don't have jet fighters in Ireland. We don't really have an air force. But like, you know, their their prop aircraft flew over. I think the government's private jet flew over as well. We had numerous helicopters. It was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, what do you expect from the man who, when Minister for Defence forewent any kind of security detail and would still wander around his home city like nothing had happened? I know. I mean, it, it was it was like, you know, I, I, I just love the fact that you occasionally just see him coming out of a shop with like, you know, a, a chicken fillet roller or something like that. And he was a minister for defence. Like, you know, maybe like Irish minister of defence isn't the most taxing job in the world, I think. Like we're a neutral country. There's a lot of peacekeeping. Yes, but we're not exactly you know, engage in any military conflicts. Yeah, thankfully. But yeah, so I mean, you know, I don't know if there's anything else really to say about the parade. It, it's a big day. A lot of people do stay out for most of the day. You know, it, it's good for the kids. They'll always be throwing sweets or something. They'll have costumes. I think they also integrate in oh, a, yeah. a lot of um kind of organizations. You know, what is it? The the spotlight in Limerick. They're kind of a a dance or a youth drama kind of yeah. group. Yeah. And so you get loads of little performances going along the street. Any any musicians tend to join in as well. So it, like it's good crap. It's a good it's a good atmosphere. Yeah, and I look at afterwards like you, you you go to the pub afterwards, not to enhance a national stereotype, but it, it like it's you know it's a day where people don't have to work. Pretty much everyone gets off work that day. There's no school on. You know, go out and enjoy yourself. Basically, um, it it, it was originally Stu. Uh, up to the 1960s, it was one of the, the days in a year in Ireland where the pubs had to actually close. Oh, so it used to be shame. that you couldn't serve alcohol. It was originally that it was St. Patrick's Day, Good Friday and Christmas Day were the three days you couldn't serve alcohol. Now, of course, as we discussed before about the Good Friday drink ban, there were plenty of ways around this. Like, you know, there's the private members club. Um, you know, it was like if you were if you had a valid train ticket. Or travel or like a, an airplane ticket you could go to the pub there people just bought tickets to like you know from uh dublin to cork and just stayed in the you know the, the platform five as it was at the time and had a few drinks um so there was always like ways around that was the thing yeah. but eventually it was like you know you went to the pub and paddy's day was the thing and there's usually rugby on as well i think i remember that it was was it 2018 in ireland versus england in the last match of the six nations now ireland we'd already won the competition we couldn't lose it was if we beat england we get the uh the grand slam which is we won all five of our matches and the triple crown which is we beat all of the home nations in this case it was like you know england scotland wales so that was a that was a great great. Oh yeah, that was we something really, else. <laughs> we really enjoyed that. We wandered up to get a takeaway and brought it back to the pub with us. Great crack. And they didn't mind. We were giving out chips to people. It was great crack. <laughs> but like, it, it's it's probably one of the busiest days for pubs in in the year. I'd say, like oh, that definitely, in, yeah, around yeah. Christmas time. Um, like every pub is absolutely packed out the door. Like it, it's like you know, it was. I think we said we had to get to the pub at like twelve o'clock that day. 
like when it was the door, like we were waiting for the door to be open because, you know, and like an hour later, you couldn't, there was no seats in there. It was oh, barely yeah. even standing room only. Like it was about, like we've three or four deep at the bar. Uh, Robert, it was definitely because we needed to get in for space. It wasn't our chronic alcoholism that brought us to the pub at 12 o'clock. I mean, I say that as someone who was literally drinking right now <laughs> at two o'clock in the day. But this is for reviewing purposes. Um, I must say, it, it, this is actually growing on me a little bit. Uh, <laughs> chocolate chips, stout. it is actually quite pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> Very easy to drink as well. So I think we'll leave the St. Patrick's Day Parade for now. And we will jump into the movie we yep. watched, which is I Am Patrick. Which first off, <laughs> I was a bit surprised by what we got out of this. Um, I thought this was going to be a straightforward movie. But it turns out that it's kind of more of a, I think, dramatized documentary is probably the best way of describing it. I think docudramas, they call them, Stu. Um, yeah, so it's like it, it was kind of partially, like, you know, they're kind of talking heads, as they call them. Not, not the band, but like, you know, you had this guy talking about, oh, this is what St. Patrick was like, historically speaking, as a priest. Like, well, of course, St. Patrick was very important to the Christian faith in Ireland. And then, like, you'd have kind of dramatic recreations, but like actors of... Um, Patrick kind of living his life and going off and doing his stuff interspaced with the, the the talking heads kind of talking about the context of it. So it's um, it, yeah, it wasn't what I expected to when you kind of gave me the details of the film to watch. Um, it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't think either of us really knew what we were in for. I mean, it was good. I enjoyed kind of the the aspects that we did see. There was a lot of really good kind of old Irishness on display. Uh, one thing that I think probably blew both of us away was just the drone shots of Ireland itself were fantastic. Oh, I, I, I have several notes to just say this country is beautiful. Like I'm pretty sure that's the glens of Antrim. Uh, a, a lot of that was shot in. Yeah, it just like it, it blew me away at, at points. Like they were walking through. I think it was the Burren at times. They wore, and it, it just every shot where they were kind of using a drone to record it. Just they picked the best spot and somehow got the best weather for it. I really like the bit where, like, there's a, there's a bit where uh, I think it's after Patrick has his his thing to it runs away from the the hill where he's a slave minding the sheep to to get back to England to become a priest and a bishop. And there's a great shot where he's just like walking across the land, and you just see him like walk across these barren hilltops, and then a beautiful shot where he's like hopping across the stones on this like little stream under like all the forest. Because obviously they had to shoot it in parts of Ireland that are still, you know, that would be. You know, this is like 1600 years ago yeah you know, like the 400 ad's and they it just captures it so well it looks absolutely beautiful like this film is the cinematography and parts of it are outstanding yeah. you know i it just looks so beautiful i love this country <laughs> oh yeah it was great uh, i was a bit disappointed we didn't get more of john reese davies as old saint patrick because i mean he's very good oh he was he was fantastic in the role uh, I found it a little yeah. difficult not to to connect him all the time to Gimli from the Lord of the Rings. It was just always kind of present yeah, in my head. Yeah. Some some of the, the the words he was saying was like, "Oh, it's Gimli." He's like, "No, no, no. This is a different character in a different movie." It is. I I thought like he's um, we kind of discussed is the kind of narrative style of this is that it's an, an elderly Saint Patrick writing his confessi confessi confessio. Yeah, confessio about talking about his times, it kind of cuts back to when you have like there's three actors playing him you have like a, a very young Patrick before he living with his family with the slaves and having a great time and then he gets kidnapped comes back and then goes off to be a priest so like the main bit of the movie is then he's 
a slightly older person going off becoming a bishop converting the Irish then the end is is the older Patrick kind of you know summing up his life being yeah. like I oh, yeah, it all worked out in the end here and you know I I, I thought it was an interesting choice I kind of liked how they had multiple people playing him oh yeah like, like the thing is I think I really enjoyed all of the the dramatized parts where it was someone playing Patrick and and the things that he did along the way I found the uh the talking yeah. head segments like maybe I didn't research enough into the actual production uh company or whatever it just seemed slightly skewed in one direction I thought it was going to be like when I realized it was a documentary I thought it would be more of a, a straight and narrow this is what we know about Patrick this is what he wrote this is what other people wrote about him but it did seem to be kind of a, a little bit more on the this definitely happened exactly as he wrote it down. Which was interesting. I mean, it, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's nothing wrong in the regard of having, like, they have, Israel, they have both Catholic and Protestant um, priests there to kind of talk a little bit. And I think that's perfectly fine. There's a beautiful shot as well of St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin, which um, I don't know if I've mentioned before in the podcast. It, it's owned by the Church of Ireland. It, it's one of the two cathedrals in Dublin. Both are owned by the Church of Ireland. The Catholic Church claim Christ Church is their main cathedral, as do the Church of Ireland. But they use a temporary cathedral, a pro cathedral, the pro cathedral in Dublin, which we it was it we featured in the Yank as where they had their wedding with a small anyway. <laughs> but um, you know, so it, it's beautiful. So it was, it was good to have have that actually level of balance there as well. Um, we had some historical people on there too, but. Yeah, it was very much, um, it, it wasn't really kind of questioning a lot of the authenticity. Okay. Of it. Oh, yeah. um, I just looked into it a know, bit more on IMDb, Rob. So the yeah. production company was North Star Studios. Now they have four more movies. Uh, so the okay. most recent one is Pocahontas, Dove of Peace. Right. That sounds a bit questionable. <laughs> <laughs> then we have The Hope. The Rebirth of Israel. Okay. Then Made in Israel. Is that in the biblical sense, or is that the kind of more contemporary country Israel sense? It says, just a quick description on IMDb, says, examines the creation of the state of Israel, covering a time period from early Jewish settlers and philanthropists in the 19th century. Because okay. that, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to get dragged into this whole Israel kind of thing. Like, what, what, what I'll say is, you know, um, there is a proud history of uh, Jewish people in Ireland being treated very well. Obviously, Chaim Herzog, who was the president of Israel, grew up up the road from where I am right now in Portobello in Dublin. Um, his father, Yitzin Herzog, was known as the Sinn Féin rabbi. He was very much, uh, you know, look, look at, looking after the lads and things like that. And of course, the Briscoes are very prompt in the IRA and later TDs in this country. So proud, proud history of Jews in this country. Um, but Irish people have a very strong kind of um, support for Palestine and the Palestinian people's struggle for you know, in- independence and some level of autonomy over the years. It's been very much co-opted in this country. You, you see like Palestinian flags everywhere generally associated ironically enough now with Sinn Féin and more left-wing causes. But uh, very, very kind of, you know, um, strong support for it. So I, I don't want to kind of get into it myself. I'm just giving kind of an overview of what, how things are at the moment. But with my own knowledge of the, the founding of the state of Israel, um, you know, it's a it's a very comp- more complicated story than, you know, perhaps you could do in a movie of an hour and a half long, is what I'd say. Yeah, but, but this is a yeah, docudrama, yeah. Rob. But uh, then the, the... Oh, God. 
the network that kind of brought it to us like it came up at the start and i i hadn't seen it before it was cbn which stands for christian broadcasting network oh, that so you know it explains yeah. a lot but uh, <laughs> i was just flicking down through to see what uh what they had made and in 2017 they made trump an american dream so you know that kind of says everything you need to know about the company wait i presume that's it a pro-Trump movie, Stu, by, by the sounds of it. Uh, the description there is a British documentary series exploring the extraordinary journey of Donald Trump through five decades. Right. I I think um, <laughs> I think people in Ireland wouldn't be going for that kind of view of Donald Trump. Like Some people here certainly are fans of him, and that's fine. Sure. He's, he's certain, like, I, I love how um, so, some papers do describe him as a uh, Claire, uh, Claire Hotel owner Donald Trump in spot of tr- trouble in America at the moment, <laughs> you know, which I love. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he, he wouldn't exactly be popular here. Obama would, you know, was certainly very, very popular over and here. Joe Biden definitely would be Irish and American. Well, he is already, yeah. Like, wait till he comes to, wait till he gets up here to visit, Stu. He'll be, he'll be all over the shop. <laughs> all right, we've done enough on the background. I think we're back to the movie anyway. So, yeah, as I said, it, it does have that kind of skewed look at the history of Patrick. So kind of if you do end up watching it, it's out on Netflix, definitely go into it with that knowledge before watching. Yeah, it, it, it's... Um, look, I mean, overall, what I'll say is, in terms of the style of the film, I, I, I think if it was just a kind of drama, as opposed to including the talking heads and the historical, you know, talking about the history behind it, I nearly think it would have been better. Oh, it definitely know? would have. I'm not a fan of docudrama things. I, I would just be like... like it's I'd, I'd rather it was just in a documentary style versus a drama style. I, I'd rather it was one or the other, not both. Yeah, but it did get certain things right. I mean, we talked a lot about aspects of Patrick's history last week, and you know they, they hit a lot of boxes. They actually added to some of them, uh, which might have been a bit more deeper research that I should have done, but like some really... Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, really interesting, crazy stuff came out. But, you know, I mean, they started off with the most important thing to say, which is that most of the things we think about Patrick are wrong. But, yeah, there, there's some He's some good stuff. Yeah, yeah, well, obviously. Uh, but there's some good stuff in Ireland. Um, you know, you have the, um, what are they? I think where the, the Irish people are living is the Cranogues, or is that the ones on the water? I don't know what the... I Yeah, I couldn't think. I thought, is that Craganown, you know, they, where they filmed this? Because it looked like it. Yeah. But it might have just been a new place they made. Uh, sorry, Craig and Owen is like a, a, a historical kind of recreation in County Limerick of um, how how we would have lived in Ireland at that time. Yeah, like ancient Irish huts kind of had like, houses. Yeah, so we had the huts that were kind of in this film, but we had like crannogs as well, which are kind of on the water and like how, how we kind of farm, began, began farming and like looked after our, our areas and things like that and had... Uh, yeah, was, even I suppose you could just say they were ring forts. So we had ring forts all over. You had, if you will, yeah. You had, you know, a little boundary wall and a couple of houses inside, mostly kind of, what is it, um, Watland Dob shit. I think that's a word I remember. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is. It's it's like kind of um, stick kind of walls with using kind of mud and straw to kind of hold it together. So kind of early bricks, if you will, almost. Yeah, they, they did some wonderful stuff there. One thing that I will point out that uh, just just I lost it when I saw it was they must be using some fantastic laundry detergent for those white garments that they're wearing when they get baptized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the purest white. It's like, there's no way that people in Ireland had that 
white clothes. I yeah, because like I, I suppose it, it it's you know, white obviously is a similar purity, particularly in Christianity. You generally you would wear white when you're getting baptized and you'll get married, of course. But um, yeah, like I, I don't know if it'd be that white now, Stu, unless they have a especially kept one or something like that. Yeah, I think so. But even getting into the the river or lake that they use, it's like yeah, that's going to get immediately messed up there's going to be some sludge or yeah well it did it, it, it's a nice scene i suppose and it you know i, I like as well because the, the the main fellow got to play patrick in this bit um whose name i have written down sean O'Malley. Uh, sean, sean T. like yeah he's uh he's a whale gore he speaks fluent irish he does speak irish in this even you even hear him uh because it's actually quite good it uses latin and irish um in the like, I can't speak about the really the Latin. I think the Irish is more modern Irish, but yeah, you know, I, I think, I think, I think it's reasonable to say that we, you know, we, we, you wouldn't expect them to speak early Irish or whatever it would have been. I, I'm not too sure at the time, but it would like it would have arguably been somewhat intelligible to us today if we speak Irish as well. I understand. Yeah, with a bit so, of thinking about it, there, you know. we probably understand yeah. what they were saying. But yeah, no, like it was really but, great. Yeah, there was a I lot like of that. drops of Irish in there at various times. And, you know, well, neither of our Irish is perfect. I think we could probably catch a few words as they went by. Oh, no, it's even like when he comes into like the village thing and he he, he greets them and he, he says, I can speak your language. And it's like, can I can I see the, the leader? And he says, Tisha. And you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's that old kind of tradition that we carry on today. So no, it was enjoyable. And uh, well, the Latin as well. There was a lot of Latin because, of course, that, that was the language of the church at the time. And you even hear like later in the film with the, the other bishops like trying to get Patrick in trouble and they're like, Oh, he's he's going around preaching Asquelga. That's uh can't be doing that. It has to be in Latin. Yeah, sure. For the masses and everything. It was a, a long time later that they they stopped the whole Latin nonsense for the for mass. The nineteen sixties, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so quite some time ago. I did like as well, you know, um when they're kind of showing the map of the world, they they use like Ptolemy's map. So you have like that really old yep. view of Ireland, Hibernia, and it's just it's just kind of a blob there, I suppose. You know, I remember you used to say that, that one of the, the chicken nugget shapes was supposed to be like like Ireland. It's like, that's probably about as close as you'll get. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, but Toby was also the first person to describe Limerick, actually. Um, there was a small settlement on the King's Island called Regia, as he called it at the time. So there you go. Well, we are two proud Regians on this podcast. Um I live closer to King's Island than you do. <laughs> yeah, but we're in the in the area. We're in the area, we're in the area. Anyway, so um, I I really like that that whole aspect of it. I mean, the whole historical kind of setting of it is is quite good. Um, I was the very younger Patrick, like you know, it's um, or you see like his house in Britain, like he's there with his father, who's the deacon, and all that, and they have slaves, and they were kind of like Roman, kind of doing well for themselves. What's up? Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I was watching, like, my girlfriend Chloe watched this as well and she was, we brought like, that house looks too modern, you know. Is, is is that I don't know if, if it looked too modern. What it what yeah. I think what it looked yeah. like is that it had been built like that morning for the record for the, the film. So like yeah. there wasn't there wasn't that I like don't... little bit of tarnishing that you might get as a building is sitting there for however many ten or twenty years. You know, it it's just like it's um it looked too good, if you know what I mean. It just it just looked too out of place. But maybe, I mean, maybe that's accurate. I don't really know a lot about the Romans. I mean, still, you lived in Rome. I assume it's still the same there, is it? Oh, absolutely. Completely the same. No, uh, all, yeah, I think... And their I mean, I, and everything. I suppose part of that could be our own modern view on Roman architecture, considering it's all kind of dilapidated and all the colour is washed away. So seeing it kind of pristine and with like that vibrant pop of colours makes it look alien whereas it kind of wouldn't be at the time Maybe it is yeah i was like i'll be honest like i i like it well i like history I'd, I'd say i don't know a great deal about the whole rome but history like we i would have learned it in school several years back but uh yeah i don't it, it just looked a bit off to me perhaps it was accurate um look there there you go but uh it, it, it looked like a nice house yeah speaking of uh architecture like that just um that one scene where he's talking to to Felix and he like confesses that mysterious sin that we never get to hear about. Was that yep. in, is it like, was it the Oxford or Cambridge kind of place? I know it was in Harry Potter as well. They had that kind of courtyard. Yeah, it looks, well, it, it's supposed to be in a seminary in Gaul, so France, basically. Yeah. Um, I I can't speak to how accurate it would be to have somewhere like that at that time. I, I don't know if they were making large stone castles and buildings like that then. Um. For for my kind of knowledge, that came a lot later. Like they was at the Martin Bailey kind of it was on the Martin Bailey of the, the wooden kind of structures. So I'm not sure how accurate it is to have a stone thing like that. But I I I think it might have been um could have been Oxford, one of the colleges there. I have a feeling it would be Winchester College because it it just looked a bit like the main kind of quadrangle there. I might be wrong. I, I didn't. Yeah, it's it. just, it just you know, you know like there's that that one. Obviously, you haven't seen much of Harry Potter. But there is that one that they kind of yeah. come back to a couple of times, and it's one of the the big colleges yeah. in the UK, and oh, it no, just looks very I've, similar. I've the, it, yeah. yeah, the the, the columns and the, I was, well, I suppose they're all similar in their own way. But I just was like, maybe it's that one standing under the very columns that Michael Columns is named. Though. Terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was it was nice, I and mean, we, we don't find out what the thing is. But your his mate does, uh, you know, is is Judas at the end tells the the other bishops what they want to hear. It's like ah, there's a terrible thing. I love the the talking is we don't know what Patrick's secret was. Like, is, I love it goes like, did he did did some immorality? Did he murder someone? Who knows? Yeah, that was the one annoying part because when you when you start thinking of what we were watching as a movie, and it's like, oh, we're never going to find out what his secret was. Someone hasn't figured it out in fifteen hundred years. Damn it! It's just like Saint Patrick's going to get cancelled. Is that? Oh god, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it, it doesn't even kind of hint at it. But I suppose, considering now that you know the funding behind this film, perhaps that's you know they they wouldn't want any impropriety to be in, implied here. Yeah, I mean, you know, another thing they do in the the documentaries, they go fairly in on on the Irish at times. I know they said that um the Romans felt that. 
the Irish were barbarians at the end of the world. Yeah, it's something the Romans didn't even go to the Ireland. The Romans never came here, I suppose. Like they called us Hibernia, which I think means like cold. Yeah, see, no, I I, took a peek. That's that's what I thought it was because from what I've heard, however long ago it was, I think Hibernia was our name from like the UK, say before the Romans came along. And so when they got to the UK and heard about Hibernia, they thought it was like, oh, this place is basically Iceland. They thought it was like, or what people imagine Iceland to be. They thought, oh, this place is just a frozen, desolate wasteland. Why would we ever want? to take over there and that's why they kind of left it off yeah no fair enough i mean we just don't hear a lot about it we don't have the the roman architecture you find in some places like bath and um other bits in the uk but we have our own history and interesting things from that that, that timeline so yeah, yeah well, in, so including you know that that old tradition we have when we want to show our, our bonds of friendship by suckling each other's chests i was <laughs> I was going to talk about this at length. Um, oh, that was weird. Have you ever have you ever heard about this before? I have not, not once in my life. I mean, I since we started this podcast, I've been doing a lot of research on like the Celts and early Irish people. I've yeah, never heard this. I'm going to have to look into it further, and maybe I'll come back at some point to do a report on the Celts in general and add this in. But yes, God so damn in it! Con- in in context. In context, right? So in, in the thing, Patrick, it gets like the, the voice from God's like, oh, get back to your home, go back to the UK, well, sorry, the island of Britain, I suppose it would be correct in saying. Because he like runs away from his master, he gets some beautiful shots of running away. And he, he's told there's a boat here, go into the UK, go into Britain. Sorry, it didn't exist <laughs> at that point, the island of Britain, you know? So, and then he goes up to them and he's like, can I go off there with you? And they're like, nah. And then he turns around and says a prayer. And before he even finishes the prayer, one of the other lads of goes, ah, oh, come on, we could, we could do, we, we do with the hand. He goes up to him, he's like, has to pledge his loyalty to the crew, and he declines to suckle on your man's chest, which is how apparently what the Irish did at the time to signify kind of trust and a bond. And he's like, I can't do that. I'm a Christian, and they're like, okay, grand, fine. Yeah, it was very. I've never weird. heard of that before, Stu. And I found never it kind of, heard of that uh, disarming as well because I think your man who was playing that that uh, boat captain, he sounded like a dub. So you kind of got a bit of a Dublin accent off him. And it was like, this is just very weird to be watching. No, because I, I got the, I actually have this down here. It's like, did North Dublin accents exist in four, <laughs> yeah. like 400 AD? Well, look, like, he I'm must have been sure if we both copped it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fucking Patrick. Oh, yeah, fucking Dublin. <laughs> yeah, just awful. Really yeah. surprising little thing. But I suppose at the same time saying that, it is good that most of the cast were genuinely Irish. I mean, out of nowhere, some of yeah. some of the Patricks were Irish, which I suppose makes sense for the uh, the Irish language sections of the movie. But uh, yeah. you know, they, oh, they no, did your, a, your, your man. Yeah. Your man is a great actor. Like I said, he's. I'll, I'll actually talk with him in a second. There's another thing we'll be reviewing in the future that he was in that I might bring up. But anyway, yeah, like at least they kind of they took the time to get actual Irish people in the movie. Uh, one thing, if we're going to start talking about the younger Patrick, you know, he spends his six years uh, in the in the hills tending to the sheep. And it just it just occurred to me, it's like, he has no beard. He's been in the, that forest or on those mountains for six whole years, and he hasn't grown a single schmegan on his chin. Well, see, this is, this is another thing as well. Like, he, obviously, when he, the actor changes uh, to, like, the, the middle St. Patrick, yeah. he, like, obviously has a beard, and the older St. Patrick has, you know, still a, a, certainly a trimmed beard, but a, a more respectable beard. And, you know, and, and the Romans did, people in that they did did shave and did trim 
facial hair. That 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 isn't something that's just made up. They 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 were some of the first people to kind of do that. You know, it was kind of seen. I think more of a Christian thing to shave. So somewhat, I from from what I've heard. Um, but like, so he's been up a mountain as a slave for six years, and he's you know he's able to shave somehow. He's able to get like a piece of flint and look into a I don't know a pool for reflection to do. Yeah, that that was my thought process. Like he must be somehow really good at like flint napping or something to make his own little blade to to shave his his face with because he's like perfectly clean shaven i just thought that kind of was a bit funny is it's like his master going it's like now i want to be my slave i'm not going to be paying yet you're here for the rest of your life looking after my sheep like now i make sure you have enough food and somewhere reasonable to sleep but i'll tell you we're, we're gonna have to do something about that now you look a state we're going to we're going to get the hair cut short we're going to do the beard. You're going to you're going you're going to look lovely. You're going to look well. But I will work you to death. <laughs> it's just weird. It just seems out of place. Yeah, it was. It, I just found it funny, especially you know, two of us have beards. Everyone in Ireland apparently at the time had a beard. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, I I kind of get the whole thing, even as a storytelling perspective. That um, you know, it's an easy way to kind of see who's like an Irish pagan because they have like a big mad beard or long hair or something like that. Um, you know, I don't have an issue with it, but at the same time, it's just like, um, you know, give give me something here. I get like if we're saying like years are passing here, and he looks the same and has short hair and is clean shaven. It's just like, and then suddenly later on, he has a beard. It's like, wait, it just it's a bit, you know, it yeah, takes the, you out of it. Yeah, it does take you out of it. Another thing that I don't think came up in my own research was that, and I suppose it probably wasn't because it would have just been assumed is that Patrick and his family were slave owners themselves. Yeah, well, I suppose it's like they were Roman kind of well off. And yeah, it, it's it's kind of one of those things where, yeah, they probably did have slaves. Yeah, it's just interesting. What do you think? Oh, you know, terrible that he was to- stolen and made a slave. It's like, oh, no, well, if he had slaves himself, then yeah, fine. Let him be taken to be a slave. Well, they kind of go this. This is another kind of narrative thing I noticed. And I, I did kind of write this down. It's like they're almost like in, I, I'm kind of like, hmm. So they show Patrick, oh, he has slaves, and he's kind of like, you know, he's not, he's not treating them badly or anything. Like he's there to like, have more wine, please. And they go, here you go. Uh, then like he's taken as a slave. Then when they raid the house, and you're instantly told, like, oh yeah, the Irish treat the slaves much worse. You know what I mean? Like they're 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 treated much worse than the Romans would. They're, it's it's for life. They're not going to get like certain things and and whatever. And it's just like, are you saying that there's better types of slavery i mean i suppose maybe objectively there are but like don't kind of wash over slavery completely like i know in the old testament it's permissible but like we're already in the new test like well past the new testament i was like you can't you can't go around saying that like i, I think it's a base slavery apologist apologist yeah see what <laughs> is such a term yeah that's another kind of aspect of it just being kind of like a little in on the old irish like oh yeah they were such barbaric slave owners but uh with that he like in the in it they take like two of his best friends as well and it's like yeah he runs off and leaves them there he doesn't go back to try to find them at all you know they can get fucked and you know i assume die in in ireland without ever seeing him again god told him to go back so he he didn't say and get your mates as well by the way (laughs) i know but it's just that kind of like if if it was a movie you'd think that would be the point where he like runs off to save them and return to to 
England. This is like the part where he does like the, the, the badass like training montage and you know, God gets him in shape and he <laughs> the, the bishops the bit the bit the bishops kind of crock stick and he like uses that as a weapon and then yeah just like, bench you know, pressing the sheep. Go- just one thing that I, I missed in my notes from earlier on the whole kind of strange leaning of the film. It actually near the start one of the yeah. one of the talking heads says uh it's the beginning of the history of Ireland. And I was like, that is in no way true no, at not. all. I mean, we've been around for what a, at least a thousand years before that is the the Celts and whatever else. I mean, that it's oh, just yeah. such a ridiculous statement to say St. Patrick is the start of the history of Ireland. Like it's certain it's it's fair to say it's the start of Christian Ireland like, and and such a significant part of our history. I I I I completely accept that statement. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so obviously it's, it's not the start of our history, Stu. Um, it, you know, it, it, it's um, there was pre-Christian history, of course, before that, and even, even going back there, we had, uh, you know, uh, as you see in this film, there's obviously people in Ireland before they became Christianized, having their own culture and things like that. And we talked about this war in our podcast, but like, you know, the, the different levels of kingdom, tribes and things like that. So there, there's there's a lot there to it that, you know, to say history only starts at that point. It's just like, Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. One thing that I found quite funny was that um, so Patrick becomes a bishop and he decides to go back to Ireland because he believes that if he converts the people at the end of the world, he'll usher in the second coming. And I just have to say, it's been 1500 yep. years. Get wrecked, Patrick. You were wrong. I mean, it was how long it would take. <laughs> it's just like, it's like so confident. It's like, oh, uh, these barbarians over here, I'll convert them and then Jesus will come back to us. It's like, no, hadn't come back. Also, now I didn't look into this specifically, I, and I get the fact like his father was a deacon, wealthy family, all that. Blah, 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 blah. But he went from being ordained as a priest to being a bishop in ten years. This film says. Now, I I kind of get that you know that can happen. There's nothing to city say it can't, but it, it seems like a very rapid succession to like being a bishop at the time when being a bishop was hugely important in the church. Yeah, I mean it's hard to say, obviously, since it's been so long and he probably didn't write it down so we have no idea but yeah it depends you know what he was doing like if he was like telling the story of how for six years he basically prayed every day and that kind of probably elevated him a little bit in uh yeah, in among the look, priests I'm not, I'm not saying it can't do it i mean i know like later on in the i think it's 1400s you know you had you know the whole thing of nephew cardinals where popes would just be like well obviously they can't have children at this point they're not allowed to marry so he, they, they would just be like, well, you know, my, my sisters and brother have some kids. Why don't I just make them cardinals when they're like 14? And it was seen <laughs> as a common practice. Uh, or even like the fact that one fella got like his nephew elected Pope, who was like, I think, 13. And eventually it was like, we should probably stop doing this. And then a bunch of, you know, people were like Martin Luther were like, I'm really not a fan of this whole thing. It seems very corrupt, this whole nepotism. And he nailed the thing to a church door and then, you know, yeah it just it just gets uh, a little messy yeah but i suppose like he's shown as being a good bishop um doing like the baptism in the rivers there he he gives up his inheritance basically to go back to ireland um kind of an expectation he'd take over the family farm or whatever they have really um because he believes and it believes in it quite a lot yeah i mean that was another kind of big big step you know he sold the nobility in that uh to come back over here and preach yeah and it, it kind of shows like that he, he does speak at the get the osquelga then and they get him kind of the whole country well, was he was he working with the pagan the pagans like our original kind of religious people the druids who were sort of the kind of the priests and the whole pagan belief system that we had beforehand and 
to like get safe passage through territory and um yeah they definitely did the druids a little dirty there <laughs> just kind of oh yeah they're just bearded lads in robes and they they'll cut open a goat to tell the future i think it's, there, there's more to it than that like I, I do know people who are neo-druids i suppose these days and do kind of you know celebrate the old piece like beelton and all that have their mead and it's all grand um Another, as other, to go into something I I, me, I did mention last week about you know the Celtic cross and that unfortunately paganism and druidism is another thing that has been hijacked by the far right white supremacists uh, oh you know with the Odinists as well so it's another aspect of our culture that's been appropriated by a bunch of racists and I and I echo my plea from last week fuck off with that you know stop using it for that purpose it's our it's our culture and history you know it's, it's go away like yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah it's very very. I mean, surprising this this St. Patrick film produced by a Christian, uh, you know, studio apparently Stu, was a very anti-pagan. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, it was just, you know, for, it was annoying because of how well produced uh, most of the rest of it was, like the costumes and everything were really well done. And then it's like, oh, they're the Druids and they're just like some dirty old fellas with these shitty robes on. And that was about it. Um, although, <laughs> it just looks so shit. <laughs> although I think we should mention the prophecy that one of the Druids had about the bonfire that Patrick lit. That's right. Yeah. So forgive me if I can't remember the exact wording, but it's like the, was it the king in the area was like, no one can light the bonfire before me. And so then Patrick does on the, on the, the hillside and everyone around can see. And he says, yeah, if that, bonfire isn't put out before the sun rises it'll it'll burn for eternity or something along those lines kind of making it a oh you know patrick's here and he's going to convert everyone to christianity and everyone in ireland is going to be a christian forever kind of prophecy yeah it, it's uh i have heard a little bit about this one before um i think was it the hill of tara or was it elsewhere because I, I can't recall exactly where they said it was but brazil must have been the hill of tara it could have been that would have been around where well yeah Depending on the time period, uh, can't remember exactly, but that could have been where the the high king would have sat. Yeah, so it, it's just like it says. Well, it was one of their pagan festivals, but it was the same time as Easter. So Patrick was just there, like you know, I know we can't be, you know, I can't be encroaching on the old Easter festival for us. It's very important as Christians. So he was just like, I'm, I'm doing this to celebrate Easter as opposed to whatever pagan feast that was. I can't, I can't think of specifically what pagan feast is around Easter. I know Easter does move because it's a lunar base, but um, I can't think of anything that's in that specific time of year because it would either be late February or early March. I would assume it would have to be the, the whatever spring April. festival and my brain has lost the word for spring in Irish. Well, I suppose that the spring's no, it wouldn't be. No, sorry, it's a winter solstice, and a summer solstice. What's the Christ? It's it's like the day where it's the day neither equal length, isn't it? Because it's it happens at twice in two. It happens in the spring and the autumn. It's the opposite of the summer solstice, which is the longest day, and the winter solstice, which is the shortest day. I mean, it could there's have been that. Yeah, for it though, I can't. There's a word for it though, and I can't think of it. Um, it's annoying me, but anyway. Um, it might have been that, I suppose. Yeah, it's an odd one. Trying to see if I can get the other ones, but no. Um, you know, similar to Lunasa, it might have been the the spring version of that would be my thought. Yeah, well, look, sure, it's um, it, it is what it is, but it was inter- interesting kind of thing there, and it shows it. Then it it almost wraps up quite quickly. Um, I thought towards the end, you know. Yeah, clearly they didn't have a lot of money for John Reese Davies, so they kind of rushed through a bit of the. The later life, yeah, because it, it it just kind of gets to after he like does that, he's oh yeah, and his credit, and then it, it kind of just gets to John Reese Davies playing the old Patrick, and 
he, he finishes Confessio, gives it to a lad and does one there now, look after that for me. And that's kind of it, really. It just says you can see his grave then up and down Patrick in, in Northern Ireland. And that's kind of it, really. It just sort of ends there. Yeah, I mean, like, I suppose the, the imagery with him kind of standing by the sea with, like, the, the ray, sun rays hitting the water, that was pretty cool. I mean, that looks quite good. Yeah, it is. I, I think even as well, there, there's a few other nice bits in it. I like when the some the Patrick, you know, there's the, the young girl who says, I want to be a virgin of the Lord. So, you know, and no one, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I actually have that. Patrick, you know, just like, you have the, the first nun in Ireland and almost immediately gets murdered. Yeah. Oh, because that's actually quite a brutal scene. Like, he comes back to, like, the village and he sees everyone like massacred and then like there's this english fella and he knows who did it he's a pirate and he's like i i took the i'm taking them the slaves and then he's like they're christians you got to give them back and he was nominally a christian as well and then patrick was like if you don't do it i'll excommunicate you you know which is just like that's serious at the time because excommunication is just like right that's it mate you're, you're 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 screwed now like there is no salvation for you yeah you're going to hell you have very serious charges at that point the Christians, like, you know, the people wouldn't have anything to do with him just because, like, oh, can't, we can't go near him. It's like, you know, uh, shun, shun the, the outcast almost. Yeah, because like, he's few, not messing around, Stu. Yeah, there were a few scenes like that. And even was it one of one of his followers is like the son of a, one of the kings. And so the king decides to kill Patrick because he only gives him like a, a single torque, like a gold bracelet. Yeah. And then the son kind of stops him. I mean, they kind of expanded on some of that a little bit. You know, I mean, which is nice, yeah. Yeah, like it was, it was a clever little scene, but you know, as I said, it, like we could have used a bit more, maybe after or before. I mean, where does he get this this gold bracelet, and how do they leave after the son has just stopped your man from killing him? Well, because the, the talking heads do kind of say that the church didn't like. It was like they're looking for things to discredit Patrick, and like they said, oh, is he he was given effectively protection money to kings and other kind of lords of the land to kind of you know get safe passage through their area. Uh, who, who might be like pagan like the church weren't like not exactly in favor of that yeah it was you know you you get that kind of i suppose b plot until it comes up again where it keeps jumping back to to britain and the the bishops are trying to figure something out i think at one point one of them says damn him and it's like oh they shouldn't be cursing like that those bishops oh no i, I mean it's just like you're getting a lot of trouble for saying that you know because that's like saying i you know damn you to hell like That'd be quite a that's that was that's blasphemy. Like you'd get in a lot of trouble for saying that. Yeah, it was just it was a weird kind of jump out of the St. Patrick stuff to go back to to Britain and see them kind of plotting and conspiring. Which I mean, no surprise to us, I don't think. But you wouldn't expect bishops and priests to be that kind of uh, double dealing behind someone's back because they didn't like well, them. That's what you get. That's what you get for trusting the English too. They've never changed in sixteen hundred years. <laughs> they haven't changed a lot longer than that. Yes. Well, you know, that like they're doing that right now involving a internal border with the European Union and lying to everyone. <sighs> oh, God forbid. No, no, no. They would never. I think that's pretty much everything that I have, unless you have anything else you want to um, note. Yeah, well, I, 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 I suppose um, that's sort of the gist of it. Uh, just on an earlier scene where like he's, he's with the, he goes back to Britain for the first time and like he's with the kind of pirate guys before they, and like he prays and gets them food and then they still set him into slippery to some random guy. oh yeah that it's was just good. like look he's under, yeah I just, I just thought that was hilarious he's just like he's just he's like, he saved your life literally go they literally, you literally said to him like all right mr christian pray to your god and save us and he does and they're saved 
and, and at this point they're like, he's all right. And they still sell him back into slavery. It's just like, well, thanks a lot, lads. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's it's an odd one. And I think just when I when I heard it happen, when I saw it happening, I thought if he'd only sucked that man's chest, he wouldn't have sold him into slavery. It's just like it's just like Patrick. Yeah, sometimes you have to put your pride aside. Yes. <laughs> Um, but as well, it's just like he's after they they get the food and before he's done in slavery, he's like they're by this campfire and he has like the devil attacks him. He says like it's being like crushed on his chest by like a boulder, and he cries out for Elijah, and then Christ saves him for his strength. It's just it's a really weird scene, you know. Yeah, the like as I said, some of it is oddly done, and that might be. The Christian leanings of the production itself. Yeah. Well, look, sure. It, it, it was something. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not bad. Obviously, there's some good uh, some good stuff in it. I, I'll specifically say Sean, uh, Sean T. Amalek, who I, I'm familiar with some of his work. He's, he's been in Vikings, as has every Irish actor, I think, in the face of the earth, too. Yeah. You know, I think there's there. But um, he's always been in a bunch of other uh, good Irish things as well, um, including one thing that uh, he's done like a lot of stuff. He's a whale gore, as he's able to He's done like a lot of stuff for TG Cahar, Osgoelga in Irish. And, you know, he's 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 kind of very good at that. He's in the film Kings as well, which is a fantastic film in Irish, calling uh, me before Irish Americans, uh, sorry, before Irish in America, rather, which is great. But he's been in something that I've said to Stu that we have to do at some point because it, it's one of my, the best things I've seen in, uh, Irish in ages. It's called Irie Amach Amu. Uh, Irie Amach is the Easter Rising in 1916. And it's basically a great idea where these three um, people in Dublin like, do Easter like you know uh, recreations, you know. They accidentally travel back in time to the, the actual 1916 Rising. Oh, and God. they're able to use their kind of knowledge and stuff like that to kind of change history a little bit. But then there's so I I won't like spoil all the twist in it, but it's like I remember watching this the first episode and I was like, I really like this premise. And like there's even a bit where like, one of the guys is like they they're singing like Irish traditional songs in the GPO. And one of the guys goes, I'll give you a song. And what's it called? Oh, it's just called Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen. Oh, where's he from? Oh, Donny Gall, I think. You know, it's just it's just really funny. And, and you, you get to see like, you know, Podrick, Park Pierce and James Connolly and even Michael Collins, who's like this complete badass, you know. It's re- it's a really good series. He, he's one of the guys in it. He's, um, I love as well how they explain why they're, they're all speaking Osquelga because it's like in Irish and English, but like uh, he, he's actually an Irish teacher. And like his mates who do this, they're all Gwail Gores who like met through this. So it's actually quite good. It's a, we'll, we'll definitely watch it at some point, Stu. It's a three part series. Uh, it's really, really entertaining. <laughs> it looks like so it. I, I just said I gave it a shout out because he's, he's very, he's a very, very good actor. And I, I, I love him in it. He's just, it's like a great bit where he's just there. Like, and you're both volunteers. Where are you from? Um, you're gonna go, he's just there. Like goes up. Like, well, we, we came here from up the road. He goes, it's like to James Connie, he's like, that's good enough for me. Get in there now. We're gonna beat the <laughs> So what do you think, Rob? Crack a gold or crack a shite? Well, well, you see, I think overall it's not it's it's not objectively a bad thing, you know, but I don't like the whole docudrama thing. So I I I dislike the actual structure of this, is the problem I have. And I felt the talking heads bit brings it down somewhat. If it was just the drama stuff, yes. But I'm going to have to go a crock of shite, perhaps controversially. I did enjoy the drama bits quite a lot. Um, I, I think the act, the people who played the various Patricks were very good as well. But it, just overall, there were just some bits and the, the, the sort of cuts back to the UK and the talking heads bits really brings it down. And 
some of the narrative choices in it, as we kind of said earlier, are a little bit odd and it kind of speaks down to the Irish people a fair bit. So, yeah, I'll have to go across and show I think it, it's, it, it, with a bit of polish, it could have been a lot better. But maybe they ran out of money, maybe COVID affected. I, I don't know. But it, it just wasn't, you know, 100%. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to have to yeah. agree with you on that one, Rob. I mean, I think crock of shite. Uh, the, the, like, full disclosure, like, I have no faith. I'm an atheist. So I thought the the lean that they had was a bit too much. I mean, I can understand a certain amount considering uh, what... Uh, it's St. Patrick. Yes, yeah. considering the plot. But it was just like, it was a little much. And then, as you said, talking down about the Irish and just uh, strange at times in in what they did. But like, it... it it was interesting enough to watch. Uh, so I'd recommend if you want, if you were. Oh, it wasn't. Coming it wasn't blind, boring. I'd say that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like as no, I, I said, didn't say like, it was. It, the spectacle of it. 20 minutes. Is yeah. great. It's not boring to watch. It's quite quick. It's grand. You know, you know it, was e- it was easy enough to watch. I felt I just didn't enjoy it. You know, yeah. Like one sitting. There was no, no bother with that. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't attack it for that. I mean, like I said already, they, the cinematography is beautiful with some of the drone shots and like it, 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 the, the way some of the like the panning shots um are, are all done is very, very, very good. Um, really enjoyed that. Some of the acting is quite good here. Um, but yeah, it's just just together the way it's presented is, is just what lets it down, I think. But look, sure. Yeah. So next week, to kind of conclude our triptych of St. Patrick, I thought we'd do some TV shows with St. Patrick's Day episodes. Mm-hmm. So we'll do two, as we normally do with TV shows. So we'll do The Office, which the name of the episode is just St. Patrick's Day. And I think we'll also do Futurama, The Luck of the Fryrish. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, surely I do the, the Simpsons episodes. I know it's only a small part of it, but just, you know, I don't that very bark at drunk. It's not mostly about St. Patrick's Day, but it's quite funny. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see what happens anyway next week. Yeah. So, um, well, well, we'll see how it goes, Sue. Although it is going to, it will already have been St. Patrick's Day by the time we record next week's episode, because it's going to be St. Patrick's Day two days after this comes out. Uh, the 17th of March, so we will be having a socially distanced St. Patrick's Day, probably via Zoom again, I would suspect. Yeah, and with any luck, we'll still be hungover when we're recording the next episode. <laughs> God willing. Uh, all right, well, thanks very much for listening, guys. Like I said, apologies for if my audio quality isn't a bit ropey this week. Unexpected trip, so I have to, you know, kind of last minute. Uh, we'll be back to normal then, hopefully. And if you have any comments or feedback or anything you'd, you'd like us to do in the future, you can, of course, contact us, talkingblarneypod at gmail.com or blarneypod on Twitter. Um, so for me, anyway, it's goodbye. Sloan, and we'll see you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.